0: Do you wanna solve 20% of your problems in your business without changing anything? How valuable would that be to your company? What if I told you that in just two days, you could understand the current state of your business and operations with 100% accuracy, get all of your departments on the same page and excited about moving toward the future ideal state, stop assuming what is happening in your process and get crystal clear with visualization, and feel total peace of mind and safety when you get rid of the chaos in your day to day. Plus, a finished flow that's so good, you'll want to show it off to everyone. This is why I am so excited after so long of thinking about doing this to announce my brand new offer to you, which is the Flow State Workshop. You see, I have typically only worked with clients over year long plus containers. And for the first time ever, I'm making such a valuable part of my services available to you in just two days. So what is the workshop exactly? It's a two-day virtual experience where I take you and senior leaders through a tool to map out the entire flow of your goods and information over time, to map out one use case area of the business to understand the current state and solve problems. Better said, it's process mapping. Most methods of process mapping aren't necessary and, honestly, are overcomplicated and siloed. They're for your Boeings and 3Ms of the world. Plus, everyone thinks process mapping is the same, but this is where they get it wrong. There are so many nuanced methods for doing process mapping effectively. And this is where the goods and information flow comes in. It's the secret sauce because it's the only one that works. I honestly don't know why it's not taught more considering it's the tool that Toyota uses for everything and not to mention it's the first step of every process improvement we would use at Toyota. So you literally quite possibly cannot do process improvement without this one tool. Inconsistency in your processes is actually what's contributing to the breakdown. With this two-day virtual workshop, you'll get crystal clear on the current state of your business so you have a very, very strong foundation to solve problems. And the best part is that, honestly, you don't actually need to start anything new. You don't need to disrupt anything or have a revolutionary idea. Contrary to popular belief, process isn't only for manufacturing either. This offer is for service-based businesses specific to the size and stage of your business. Plus it's common to think that process is going to take you away from your uniqueness. And I promise you, it is actually what helps you stand out more. So if you're ready to finally get clear in just two days, head to the link in the show notes, or you can visit hillarycorner.com forward slash workshop to apply now. Now on to today's show. Welcome to the Unprofessional Podcast, a place to explore the boundaries of work, humanity, and culture. I'm Hillary Korna, your host and founder of The Human Way. If you're ready to break out of the box, say goodbye to business as usual, and usher in a new era, one that's more human, you found the right place. Join me and fellow Unprofessionals as we dive deep on what it takes to create human-centric organizations and become fully human leaders. Welcome home. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Hillary Korna. Here we are on Unprofessional, talking about all the things that cross the lines between personal and professional. So I'm so excited to have here today an interview that has been months, months, months in the making because she's that amazing, Kalika Yap. Hello. You. Hi, Hillary. How's it yeah. going? So nice
1: to see you again. Oh, uh, I
0: always enjoy our conversations and I'm just so elated to share you with the world, especially communities that might not know who you are. So because you have such a vast platform, I'm going to go ahead and allow you to introduce yourself to the best of your, like whatever brings you joy, how you want to introduce yourself today.
1: Sure. So, just to everyone, I met Hillary because she was on my podcast, the Entrepreneurs Organization Global Podcast called Wonder. And she was really just such a dynamic personality. And so, I'm, I'm so excited to be with you here again. But I'm a serial entrepreneur. I own two branding agencies. I was the inventor of the LuxLink purse hook, I have worldwide patents on it. I own a waxing salon in Honolulu a social media agency called Tangerine, and my daughters uh, started a comp- company, which I also helped helped um, help them with, uh, called Conscious Kids Cookies. Mm. I think that's it. Anyway, I'm also an author. I wrote the book, The Little Brand Book, and I am an active member leader with EO. I'm a former uh, president of the Entrepreneurs' Organization in Los Angeles.
0: AKA badass. So this is why, I I mean, I wanted to have you on the episode for, on an episode for so many reasons, but I specifically love how you defy labels. And so if you, you know, really when you're talking to your friends and you think about labels and how you introduce yourself, are you at this point now where you introduce yourself as chairman level, like yeah, I'm, uh, you're aiming towards chairman level. I don't operate the businesses. I'm aiming to own the businesses. Or what name do you call yourself? Like, how do you associate and relate to yourself right now?
1: You know, I think early in my career, I think titles were really important. But I think now, it's really trying to connect with someone as a human you know i think that i'm very much into ontology the study of being which is a a branch of metaphysics the study of being rather than the study of doing so whenever i meet someone it's it's not like what do you do it's just what do you, you know what excites you what are you passionate about because that, at the end, really, really matters. You know, a couple um, of months ago, I, I went on a psilocybin trip, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> a psychedelic mushroom trip. And even though I work on my business 95% of my time, I did not once think about my business. Yeah. Not once. And so what I realized, it's really not about the business. It's really your connection with people that really matters. And And so what are you interested in? You know, what did you do? What, what do you like to eat? What did you eat this morning? You know, like, what do you do like to do for fun? That's really how I like to begin conversations.
0: Yeah. And forgive me if I introduced, if I introduced as that, because what I'm looking for is less about what you do and more of who you are. Like, how do you relate to yourself right now? It could be chairman, it could be artist, it could be creator, it could be entrepreneur. Like, where are you in terms of how you relate to yourself? Any
1: of um, I think that, you know, I think we all are infinite and potential okay. it, beings. So, um, I think on my, on my Instagram profile, I have avid meditator mom Inventor, author, serial entrepreneur—I uh, have those titles, but I think that we're we're definitely a lot more—we're uh, we're, we're beyond those those titles. We're we're, we're in, incredible human beings with extraordinary, uh, magnificent potentials.
0: Yeah. Well, and what I see you as, if I may, because I I see all the things that Kalika just described to you and all the things that she's done. One might believe, like, how do you even sleep at night, right? Or how do you balance all of those? And the fact is you're not in the role of operator for all of them, correct?
1: Well, I really believe it's energy, not time. That's the indicator of high performance. It's energy is money. Money is energy. It all flows. And I think that when you take care of drinking your water, taking doing 10,000 to 20,000 steps a day, eating right, that's where you, uh, calming your mind through meditation, that's really where you're getting, because in reality, a lot of the things that we have to do only takes like 30 seconds. Make that phone call, pick up that email, you know, write that, Write in your gratitude. No, no, that takes a little longer. Write a, a a a note of gratitude to someone. Acknowledge someone. It only it doesn't take that long. But why do we hold ourselves back? We hold ourselves back because because we're constantly analyzing our mind, you know. And I think that there's a big difference between analyzing, you know, like squeezing all the data out of something, wringing a towel of information, as opposed to stepping back and observing. How are you being in this moment? You know, rather than asking yourself, what's wrong with me? What, what what do I need to fix? Ask yourself, you know, how can I contribute to the world? Right? It's a totally different thing. Like, oh, I wonder how so-and-so is thinking about me. Like, why don't you s- switch it to the other way? Like, how can you contribute to the person that's that's with you right now? Who's also contributing to you, too. Because a lot of times, too, when you get to a certain level as an entrepreneur, your humility goes out and just like, oh, I have nothing. You know, no one can teach me anything, blah, blah, blah. But... Every single person in front of you is contributing to you right now.
0: So let's talk more about the delineation between what you introduced, the concept of the state of doing and the state of being. Where does this come from and how did you get into it?
1: Well, the study of ontology has been around for, for many, many years. But I think um, I think Tim Ferriss is also a really big big fan. But I've been studying Dr. Maria Nemeth's work from the Academy for Coaching Excellence for – gosh, since I was in my 20s, and uh, just really understanding, like, how you're showing up. And I remember when I was 14, when, my, when I would come and show my dad, oh, look, here are my straight A's, you know, here, here here, are all the things that I achieved. And what he told me is just, like, if you don't do it with love, if you don't do it with the right intention, then it really doesn't matter. You know, you can be checking off everything in your bucket list, but if you're doing it in a way where... where you just want to show off or it's because it's not because you want to better yourself it's because you want to be better than someone else it's, it's it's not going to make a difference so my dad dr marie nemeth but it's it's something that i've always been really curious about for a long time
0: and did you find yourself being like that where you were the ones trying to, you were the one trying to check off the list you were the one trying to get the approval
1: yeah. You know, that's driven behavior. Yeah. And absolutely, you know, cause I'm type a personality and, but I've, over the years, I think that you've learned to, to move from being, um, you know, the disc, I think that there's like the, the, the director, the domineer to, to an influence influencer. Um, yeah.
0: And if there was one nugget or breakthrough that you had in all of that work of transitioning and, identifying more with the state of being? Like what was the one nugget or piece of information or idea that really changed your perspective on this?
1: You know, when you start observing, you can really understand who you are. So one of the things that the Academy of Coaching Excellence, I, I, I do one of the workshops, and they have this thing called the basic assumption. And there's several of them, right? Uh, an example of a basic assumption of, of yourself is I can't i this isn't it people are jerks uh i don't know uh i'm stupid i'm dumb and i found out that my basic assumption was i'm dumb right and when i came to that realization that oh my gosh this is uh, this is how i've been living my life like i think that i'm dumb that's why i if i wanted to meditate i would read like a dozen books or I had to go get my entrepreneur's masters at MIT. I, that's why I had to go to school like NYU, you know, because I had to had something to prove. The reality is, when you observe yourself and you realize no, this basic assumption that you thought about yourself is absolutely wrong, and that it's not true, then you don't have to operate. But I was completely, I was completely ignorant to it until I that until that realization, and then um, the basic assumption, which is. I'm dumb is related to flight. So every single time something bad, really bad, happened, I, I I'd be out of there. I, I'd like, I literally, when something I, I broke, uh, my fiance and I broke up. I was in Hawaii. I like took a flight and went to went to New Jersey. Went to went to New York, and uh, and I didn't realize, you know, like that's how I I dealt with problems by by leaving, you know. And and now that I know that before I take the next step and thinking like, hmm, can I just take a, a, a trip to Hawaii or Paris? I think, okay, stop. Like, what is it that I'm really, really worried about? A lot so that a was big.
0: I love, I love those two yeah. locations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Paris and Hawaii.
0: Yeah, Paris and Hawaii. It's a perfect
1: uh, Aloha and salut. Yeah. Salut. Bonjour. <laughs> so
0: I've never had a chance to ask you, but is your ethnicity Hawaiian?
1: I'm Filipino, yeah, Filipino, okay. but I grew up, but I am Asian Pacific Islander, yeah, yeah.
0: And you're how about you? How about you? What citizenship,
1: yes, yes, okay. I'm, an, I'm an immigrant, but I, I became a citizen. Oh, wow, yeah, That's how about a you? Journey.
0: Um, born in Ohio, um, Corona is actually an Italian name,
1: oh, okay. And
0: my uh, dad's side of the family was predominantly Italian, Stella and John were the grandparents nice. and spoke Italian. And so I very much uh, grew up relating to that culture. And then a couple of years ago, when all the DNA tests were getting really popular, I took mine and found out I was only 2% Italian.
1: And what are you?
0: Um, I mean, very close by, but English, Greek, German, and a mix of some other things. So, yeah. Wow. Nice. Italian. Mm-hmm.
1: Cosmopolitan European. <laughs> Ooh,
0: thank you. That's a good mix. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It is. It is.
0: So then where you're at now with all these opportunities in front of you, what excites Kalika the most? Like, what are you most driven about right now?
1: Well, I'm really excited about, you know, exploring more of meditation and really being able to control your your mind, or well, not really control, or, or just allow things to happen, allow things to unfold. I think that has been something that has been on my mind. So I did a silent retreat in December. I'm doing another one at the end of the year. I'm going to be taking a mindfulness course uh, at UCLA a whole year, two Two-year-long program, so that I can get deeper into meditation. On Sunday, I walked with monks at the Deer Park Monastery. So just really exploring um, the the wisdom traditions. I think is, is something that is really important to me because anything that you learn, you know, through wisdom, you can take it through the rest of your life. You can take it to yourself. You can take it to your friends. You take it to your family, so that you can you basically wherever you are, you're showing up as a person that you want to be. How about you? What are you excited about?
0: Well, I'm excited to get back into my Vipassana meditation practice. Did you good, did you do Vipassana specifically? Yeah,
1: practice? yes, 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 um, at, at, oh. at, at Spirit Rock. But I also am trained with Transcendental Meditation as well too, which is completely different. So mindfulness yeah. is so many different ways to that's, do it. Yeah.
0: One of the things about meditation that's so perplexing, I think for most people, is there's so many different kinds. There's just yes. endless types, whether it's visualizations or... Um, body sensation observations, which is more of what Vipassana is. And um, so, yeah, I practice Vipassana, but before COVID hit, I used to go once a year. And now that, um, you know, ever since, basically, I haven't been able to go back. And only now am I looking at dates for the new year. My favorite 10-day Vipassana silent meditation dates to do are over the new year. It's so powerful being there at the end of the new year and the start of the new, and then to come out. It's just one of the most unreal experiences.
1: That's good. I'm doing it the day after Thanksgiving, and the first week of uh, December. But yes, I know because you, but they're packed, you know. And so they the, are uh, packed. They're yeah, they're packed. So fast. They're packed, and so that's why I'm just like, ooh, with COVID last year. Or so, but uh, and yeah, one of my friends did it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I had to I had to wear I had to wear mask indoors, yeah.
0: Wow. Even mm-hmm. during meditation?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. So for anyone who's listening who's interested, Vipassana is spelled V I P A S S A N A. and it's the form of meditation that the Buddha used to reach enlightenment. So very specific type of meditation but it's a practice of observing your sensations and learning to separate the mind from the body all right so you're studying meditation a lot you still have these companies under your belt are you still active in eo
1: yeah i was actually at an event yesterday for a past president's panel where we were sharing Mm. you know to the new incoming board but yeah i'm active through doing the podcast for eo that's, that's primarily where I'm focused on.
0: And you're still an EO member.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so w- tell me in your mind the direction that EO is headed.
1: Well, I, I like that it's really evolving. When I first joined in 2008, uh, it was really I was really one of the very few women that were was part of it. And then uh, now, you know, I remember trying to apply for a forum and they were like, oh, we don't really want you because you're a female. And now it's the total opposite. Now there's we have a diversity inclusion chair, a diversity equity inclusion chair. And it's really fantastic to see how the organization has evolved.
0: Yeah. I actually just spoke at EMP last month at MIT, the program you did.
1: Wow, so did you see Dr. Maria Nemeth, or which which, uh, which week did you...
0: Uh, it's year one. I did oh, year gotcha,
1: one. gotcha, 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 yeah.
0: Wow. You did the nice. full year, three-year program, right?
1: hmm yeah, yeah. That's
0: incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at that time, what business were you running?
1: All of them. <laughs> 2016. It was just recent, 2016. I had all of them.
0: And are you in a position of CEO for all of them?
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Well, not not the the Conscious Kids Cookies. My kids are CEO. I'm sort of like a backseat entrepreneur in residence.
0: And <laughs> which of the businesses are like the most exciting for you right now?
1: I think I you know my first business Citrus is always exciting because it's a digital agency and it's constantly changing and and moving, you know, short form video marketing is so big, especially with TikTok. So I love that the landscape is changing so that I have an opportunity to also learn, you know, I, I, I love, um, you know, learning new tools. And, and because everything changes, so, uh, sometimes it, it, it makes me I'm like, how many times do I have to change this type of software, but you have to unlearn these tools so that you can grow.
0: Why two agencies? You have two.
1: Yeah, one of them is is specifically for female entrepreneurs. And the other one is a bigger corporations, which is a totally different cell, Ah, totally different target audience, yeah.
0: Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, One of the things we'd always say at Toyota is Toyota doesn't believe that they're always going to be in the business of cars. They actually believe they're in the business of mobility.
1: That's right. They, they know what business they're in. Yeah. The waxing company is not in the business of waxing your eyebrows. We're in the business of confidence, Mm -hmm. building confidence. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's so, I think it's really interesting when you hear that, because to your point if things are always changing, you know, I'm in process, my expertise, everything I know about the world is process. And what I ultimately do is change is going to happen. So let's, uh, manage the change to get better results. There's a way to change better than to react to change. To react to the circumstances, right? And so when you realize that you're in the business of something bigger, then it's the whole idea is we're going to be in this business no matter what. So we have to change with it because it won't always be cars. So as you said, like with the tools, it won't always be. Uh, even digital services for, to some extent. You might end up turning into a software company yourself or who knows what else, but it's when you adopt the mindset of like change is inevitable. So how do we change to keep with the bigger mission of whatever that business is? I always thought yeah, that was so fast. That's a great
1: point. That's a great point. We're in the business of clarity.
0: Mm, so good. Mm-hmm. And so LuxLink, I've been, I haven't actually had a chance to talk to you about LuxLink yet, but... I love this because, as you know, I used to work in Asia, specifically the Philippines, and someone actually gave me one of these, not your brand, but gave me a purse holder, a purse hook um, at a business trip in the Philippines because I didn't have one, and my purse was on the ground, and this, it was this SVP at the Toyota distributor, and the next time I saw him, he said, hey, I have a gift for you, and I remember being like, I have no idea what this is and he showed me how it worked and you hook it on the side of the table and it holds your purse and the exact thought that I had was why is this not in the states so talk to me about LuxLink and where you guys sell and like who your typical customer is
1: yeah I invented in 2006 and I got my patent 2010 but um, yeah, we, we do a lot of licensing agreements and a lot of distribution. So we have licenses with a whole host of companies. Uh, things remember, J.C. Penney, Hello Kitty, you know, like there's there's a whole bunch. Michael Kors, you know, so they license my product. Um, so wherever they sell it, um, you know, a lot of promo companies are also our licensees as well. So perhaps it wasn't it wasn't our brand, but perhaps they did license it. Right. Right. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I love it. It made me so happy when I saw that. I couldn't believe it. Mm. Yeah. And so when you think about all of your products, you know, you're in the waxing business, the, the confidence business, the clarity business with digital services. You obviously have product in retail. Like what motivates you these days?
1: Well, my goal is to really help female founders succeed. So I'm also an entrepreneur coach. So that's something that I've been doing, uh, for many years but didn't realize that I was really serving as a consultant as as opposed to a coach which was is completely different I was just blown away when I'm I thought that they were the same thing you know so 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 I've really been trying to and it gives me such joy to be able to help um, entrepreneurs grow and it just is so satisfying i didn't think that i was going to like it as much i was really doing it primarily to improve myself the more that you can improve yourself as a human being the more that it affects the circle of people that are around you and now you know just being able to to, to be in the presence of these incredible humans who are 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 trying to change the world is 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 wonderful
0: So let's talk about that. What did you learn is the difference between a coach and a consultant?
1: So a consultant tells you what to do. A coach helps you discover using the tools that they provide who you are. No one really wants someone to tell them what to do. So with the exercises, with the tools, you discover what's important to you in life. And a coach is not someone that's going to hold you back from experiencing challenges because life is one big challenge. It's how do you arm yourself with the right tools to remember who you are and remember how you want to show up in this world. So that's a difference. A consultant you pay to say, hey, you know what, uh, you know, I'll build you your website. I'll help you with your search and optimization. I'm going to, you're going to pay me to do something for you. But a coach helps you discover and unlock the infinite potential that that's you.
0: I love it. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever people um, see the work that I do, they're like, oh, so you're a consultant. I'm like, no. People hate process consultants who come in or like start doing the things this way. I actually never give them the answer. I'm not in the business of giving them the answer. And part of like what I often say to them is, who am I to come in and say what the answer is, you know, which I think is. Why women in business is so valuable, to have the modesty and humility. I think in the short term, it doesn't give people the answer that they want. In the long term, it benefits them more sustainably because it guides them to find the answer on their own. And most of the work that we do is things that your people are just waiting to be asked what they think the solution is. It's just sitting inside of them. It's just they're never given the space freedom, creativity, autonomy, and authority to pursue their ideas. I mean, I just had a, a client call that I, uh, we're about a year and a half in, and the one of the entry-level positions, the team members that's on our team doing this work joined right as we started our activity. And she was saying to me, I've never seen a company that actually trusted my ideas and to turn them into action. And I'm like, unfortunately that's the utter truth right the majority of most companies so yeah it's interesting when you say the difference between coach and a consultant because you're exactly right most people don't really want to be told what to do
1: no they don't and then they also will forget (laughs) yeah yeah, and plus a lot of times you know when consultants give advice it's it's prescriptive prescriptive Mm. and tactical you know and um, when you're When you're unlocking um, who you are, it's it's a totally different journey. Mm. Yeah, for sure. There's an internal journey of being an entrepreneur and external journey of entrepreneur. You need both. You need both. You need people to help guide you along the way, too, because, you know, like I don't know anything about, you know, Toyota's process. That's why I would hire someone, you know, that has the expertise. And um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Talk to me within this work, you have what's called the secret circle. Talk to me about that.
1: Oh, so prior to, to COVID, I would have ongoing meetings and uh, fun events for, for a local group of, uh, community, uh, of women. And then I expanded it to be virtual and, uh, then we had members from all over, from Canada to Hawaii to London, and it's it was great to both do that. But I think now I'm so dying to be with people. I shouldn't say dying, but like mm-hmm. I should really, I'm really looking forward to being with people in in real life. Yeah, it's it's it's. I'm looking forward to it. How about you? Are you looking forward to being? I mean, you were just at EMP, so that must have been a joy, right?
0: Oh, I mean. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm mixed feelings. I really love being <laughs> virtual. I, I mean, I was someone who was traveling 75 to 80% of the year before COVID. So um, I'm so grateful and honored that I'm able to do this work virtually and that it's like a added value to be in person. It's a different value, but I don't need it to do the work. So that's great. As far as speaking engagements go, speaking is not as enjoyable for me, uh, virtual. I can do it. I can get the job done, you know, but um, it's not like being in person to be able to walk off a stage and be greeted by people and to hang around for a few hours until there's no one left with questions. You know, there's just nothing like that. To arrive to a green room in anticipation, there's nothing like that in the virtual world. So, Despite doing virtual events, I do miss speaking events in person. Um, Client work, I have no problem. It's very funny. Most of the time at the start of our engagements, clients are like, so do we, you know, how do we meet in person? What are the options? And I'm like, there is no option. (laughs) Like this, we're like, if you want to talk about increased prices for being in person, we can, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be worth it.
1: (laughs) I know. I definitely prefer client work virtually a hundred gazillion percent. It's really interesting. I'm hiring a whole bunch of um, new people for our agency and everyone, the, 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 the let me say the kids, the, the, the people that are just graduating really wants to be in person. It's, isn't that interesting? And I'm thinking, wow, this whole time, like everyone wants to be remote and you want to be in person. Interesting. Mm,
0: and they're fresh out of college.
1: Fresh out of college, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, makes sense.
0: Another thing that, an update for you, since the last time we spoke, I actually did the commencement address for um, the university I went to, my alma mater. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, thank you. But it's interesting that you raised this. Well, that was beyond, actually. We did like a whole episode um, on how how I prepared for it and then what it was like behind the scenes, which was really, really fun. But um yeah, they're tired. They, their entire expectation of their college experience was just taken to the ground with COVID as freshmen. And so now that they're coming out of it, I think it's a very unique perspective of this graduating class. It's like a snapshot of this one and maybe the upcoming one. And then after that, it's sort of back to normal.
1: So they're wanting to come back or?
0: Uh, they want in person, because they've been virtual for so many years now and it gotcha completely changed their college experience
1: yeah that's sad
0: <laughs> and so tell me about your family tell us a little about about them
1: i have two kids and a husband my husband works for the companies and we're going to hawaii on the 13th next week we're going to go to maui and we're going to have fun and my daughters are volleyball players and uh, they go to one of the top um, uh, prep schools in the nation called Harvard Westlake, and uh, yeah, I'm, I so really enjoy having them. Mm-hmm. What's
0: it like having your husband work for the companies, and, and what's your perspective on that family?
1: I I think that it really just makes so much more sense because he was working at a place uh, where he was getting there at six a.m. to and leaving at three p.m. And he wasn't really seeing the kids. And, you know, it's just, it just makes more sense. He was working at Bloomberg and he was there for 24 years. And, and, uh, it's, it's just easier, you know, when, you know, life is just easier when you don't have someone else to, you know, when you have to ask, can we go on vacation? You know, <laughs> like I, w- we do a lot of date days during the day. So rather than date nights, so we'll go and, and, and keep in touch by having, you know, separate time just to talk and, and be with each other. Yeah, but it was definitely a transition because he was coming in as an employee to being an owner of a company and uh, it's completely different, as you know, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: And what is your perspective or take on being an employee versus an entrepreneur? Do you encourage all people to become entrepreneurs what's your perspective on it
1: well i think employees you know like they're always thinking about like what can i get from 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 the company you know so they're worried about title they're worried about you know mobility they're worried about like what about me right all about me but then when you're an employer, you have to think about everyone else. You have to think about your vendors. You have to think about your employees. You have to think about your family. You have to think about about getting you know, your clients, right? <laughs> I forgot about the client. you have to think about your clients. It's a lot. It's when you're an employer, it's it's like you have many empl- you have many bosses that you're trying to serve. So it's it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a big difference. Huge, huge difference. Yeah.
0: So, do you encourage people to go into entrepreneurship, or do you feel-
1: I? I think everyone should be an entrepreneur, but whether or not they could take it, you know, because it's the best way that you can learn, you know, to be a, a better human being because you have so many opportunities for growth. So, if if they're looking to learn and grow and and just explore life, but you know, there are people who just want to just chill, you know, and just chill.
0: So. On the topic of vacation and entrepreneurs, what is your policy for taking vacation? Do you have certain parameters? I'll share with you mine afterwards, but I'm going to hear for you. Like, how do you get away? Do you try to get away a certain time of the year or a certain length of time?
1: How do you manage? You know, ye- yesterday at the past president's meeting, you know, one of the past presidents was saying that he has a KPI on off, on days off, and his goal this year is 13 weeks isn't that amazing? Like 13 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, is it 13 weeks?
0: Um, Usually it's 12 weeks.
1: Yeah. So his goal is 13 weeks. And my other, uh, other past president and is like three, he works three days, but for me, it's just for for days days off. He works three days a week. Mm. Yeah. So he works three days a week. And for me, it's just, it doesn't feel like work you know like so that's a little different so when you're taking time off like it it doesn't feel like like work so but we do we have our standard end of the year trip to new jersey our uh, you know trips to hawaii um volleyball tournaments and things like that
0: so you don't have a perimeter of how much time
1: yeah i feel like i'm always off you know i feel like Like this morning I took, I feel like this morning I had like, I took like two walks, you know, like, you know, like that's why, and I think that we just have the freedom and flexibility, you know, so like when I was doing the silent retreat, like I literally was the last person to get in, I was on a wait list and the day before is when they let me in and I was able to clear my schedule you know, like that's, that's what you want, you know, to be able to just do that, to have that, that flexibility. Like tomorrow, I, you know, I had mentioned earlier that one of my friends passed away and his, his funeral is suddenly tomorrow and I'm, I'm clearing my schedule and, and it, it's fine. You know, nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna break.
0: So one of the things that I do with my vacation policy, I actually really love this. I learned it from Gary Keller, the founder of Keller Williams, which is he try he, he Not tries. He has achieved this. He takes one week off every two months. Oh, wow. So basically every eight weeks, a week off. Every eight weeks, a week off. So that adds up to six weeks a year. I love that. Minimum. Um, And then my husband and I do hooky days. We call them hooky days where we just play hooky. Aww. We just take off. Excellent. So that's really fun. And then he is aiming to get his business to be, because he's also an entrepreneur, um, to a four-day work week.
1: Four-day. There you go.
0: I'm not trying to get to a four-day work week, but I am at this point in juncture where I'm getting my days to end at 3 p.m.
1: That's great.
0: I really like this. I just noticed, and anyone who resonates with this can steal this, but what I noticed my habits of behavior doing was I felt like by, you know, common expectations of society I needed to work from nine to five so I would be available nine to five and then I would book things and I had you know I am a process person I had systems I have parameters and boundaries and different things like I only hold client calls Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays things like that but what was happening is because I had this what was the language you used earlier was it an unassumed belief or a Basic assumption. Basic assumption. See, I had a basic assumption I had to be available from 9 to 5 minimum. That then I would have these like blocks in the day that were just empty. Like I'd have a call and then I'd have 90 minutes of nothing. I'd have a call and then an hour or 30 minutes of nothing. So I started to think across the board because one of the, one of the basic, basic fundamental um, things you learn in process improvement is – with all things, with all processes, you're trying to reduce variability. Reduce variability. And so if my variability in my in my day is like up and down and up and down, how do I reduce it? So it's kind of like if you think of baking, when you, when you need dough to get the air out, I'm like, okay, how can I get the air out of my schedule? So we rethought through everything with my VA. And I was like, based on the actual work that I'm doing, I could easily end at 3 o'clock. Like, there is no reason I'm working until 5. Brilliant. We had to make some new rules of engagement, move some things around. And what I found was by the time 3 o'clock hit anyways, as everyone already knows, your performance just plummets. Like, I was doing what would take me 10 minutes would take me 30 because I was tired. I didn't have as much focus or desire. So I'm like, this is silly. So now we're just chopping off the 3 to 5 p.m., getting into the point that's awesome it's great yeah like yes i don't i don't need friday off but the other the last thing i do i love the gary keller thing one week off every six every two months i love that year ending the day at three and then one week a month i take off a friday
1: nice
0: so I don't need That's every wonderful. Friday off, but what I find is, yeah, one Friday off a month, it gives it gives me something I get giddy about. I'm like,
1: yeah, you're you're cool. the boss. I'm
0: going to go see a movie on a uh, in Aww. the midday or I'm going to go shopping or I'm going to nothing, lay by the pool, right? Like it
1: That it, is like, excellent.
0: Yay. Okay, we'll steal whichever Thank you. (laughs) I think relaxing
1: and recharging is really phenomenal. Uh, There's a masterclass by I think there's this one woman, um, Doris Kearns, she wrote the book on um, leadership uh, about the presidents. And one of her chapters was the ability to relax and recharge. And she talked about the story of Abraham Lincoln, who took six months off. And when he was he took his six months off, that's when he came up with emancipation proclamation a lot of good things can happen when you have time to relax and and, and rejuvenate
0: It's interesting with um, the work even that we do with our clients in business uh, we make them take breaks in between go live so for anyone who's listening has heard a lot about what I do, uh, we roll out go live. So V1, V2, V3 across the entire customer experience, just like software rolls out updates to your phone, we nice. roll out updates to process. But we, we force them to take a break in between because otherwise high performers, they're just like, okay, now next, next problem, next problem. And the analogy I often use in this case is it's like going to the gym and anyone who lifts weights, you know, actually bench presses or yes. does deadlifts and actually lifts, really lifts, you know that you cannot go from just one exercise to the next. You are out of breath and you physically cannot do it. Can't. At all. And so. Yeah,
1: because you're literally tearing your body apart, yeah. you know, and you have need time for it to heal. Exactly. That's how it builds muscle. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so we build into the, into the experience of this work, we build in recovery.
1: But, so good. Yeah,
0: yeah. I need so to wise. Start calling calling it that. I don't call it that. We <laughs> we call it sustain the process and monitor results. <laughs> there you Toyota. go. But we need to start calling it recovery.
1: Okay. There you go. You're branding it.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay, Kalika. So yes. a question I ask all my guests on the Unprofessional Podcast is what is your guilty pleasure speaking of?
1: guilty pleasure I mean the first thing that came to mind was meditation like I, I'm I was I'm, I'm like almost addicted to it yeah yeah
0: yeah about I think becoming a teacher
1: well I mean it might be the same thing like I you know I'm taking the UCLA program for two years and it's supposed to be for mindfulness teachers but just like how I, I started coaching for myself perhaps I, I don't know I mean I don't see myself as a mindfulness teacher. But I, I'm, I really enjoy the practice of, of just being in the moment. Yeah. Well, That's I, what I'm addicted to,
0: uh, being amazing. present. Amazing. I mean, for anyone that's <laughs> ever had you? interest in Vipassana, yeah. I mean, similarly, um, I can't get enough of Vipassana. And every time I leave, I just, like, cry because I'm like, I don't want to go back. I, I just want to stay here in peace. But you can take that practice with you. Oh, yes, I know. I know. That's the work, Mm -hmm. right? That's the real work. (laughs) Otherwise, you're a monk that lives in the forest. Um, I, right now, which I've gotten a lot from both Vipassana as well as Bernie Man, is I'm really focused on doing less, but more importantly, enjoying more of whatever I'm doing.
1: Isn't that just what life, how so an obvious, amazing, an not. extraordinary life would be?
0: Yes. I actually did an episode because uh, we went to Burning Man last year, and this is what really showed up um, at the Rogue Burn when there wasn't really a burn, was there wasn't as much to do. And so as a result, I mean, there was plenty to do, but like nothing like the real burn. And as a result, you found yourself judging and comparing. And so I had to really judging ask Judging what? Um, experiences at the burn, like, oh, this isn't as great as the one year when there was a blank, and, oh, well, I haven't seen this here yet, and why didn't anyone bring that? And so you, it really, made, like, put a mirror to you and said, like, made you think to yourself, like, why can't I enjoy whatever's in front of me? And so um, also what I notice in the behavior specifically of high performance as well is, like, we tend to – You see all my fingers are up. Like we tend to do 10 different things very slowly, like inch by inch by inch. But if we do like two or three things well, we can do them faster. And so I I, I think just it's not really about essentialism or focus to me. I don't know. this. Once I got caught on to this, I just really resonated with it, which is like whatever I'm doing, enjoy more of that. And enjoy the crap out of it. Like aim for richness rather than, you know, what the last 10 years have been about, which is efficiency, productivity, multitasking, optimization. I don't give a shit about that anymore. I'm just like, screw all that. Like I'm just getting whatever I'm doing, whether it's cooking food or going to the bathroom or having a conversation with a friend, I'm going to, I'm going to aim for depth, right? Like richness of that. Yeah. One thing.
1: Right it's so much more enjoyable
0: so much more enjoyable and it fills your cup up this makes you feel productive which is actually like a it's like a scratching of the surface it's like almost like a tease
1: well I do believe that there is a difference between being productive and busy I mean what you're doing today is productive but it's in a good way I mean Right, you're just not being busy because you can take this podcast, you can repurpose the content, right? I mean, you're learning, you know, you're contributing to the, to the, human, human, (laughs) like me, right? So it's 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 really effective. So as long as you know that there's a difference between being productive and and being busy,
0: I love it. All right, Kalika. Well, if someone wants to follow your journey and continue to stay in touch, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh, Kalika.com or at Kalika Yap on Instagram, and I'm Kalika at, on Twitter, at Kalika on Twitter.
0: Amazing. I have a friend on Twitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got my first name on Twitter, yeah. Well, I just adore you. I think you're such a wonderful presence in the world of business, and the more we have people and leaders like you, the better. So thank Ooh. you.
1: Hillary. you're such a joy to be with. I'm so happy. I, I was looking forward to this conversation. You really made my day. Thank Aww. you.
0: Go <laughs> Y'all, thanks for listening to the Unprofessional Podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate and review it. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me who you want to hear from so I can make it better for you. And subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Also, if you found yourself nodding your head yes multiple times today and you want to be a part of a community of wholehearted unprofessionals, then come join us at HillaryCorna.com and follow me on IG at Corner. Our goal, to make the world a little more human.